We are going to take some time on this show to talk AEW Fight for the Fallen 2021, plus the best things of the week that was from WWE, and maybe a sneak peek at SummerSlam in three weeks. It's the Double Turn Podcast, which starts right now. It has been a crazy week for yours truly as uh, Major League Baseball trade deadline is quickly approaching and uh, lots of moving parts. The NHL went through all of their crazy things. I tell you these things because Jorge and I are both sports fanatics. I'm more of a hockey fan than he is, but I know both of us are paying attention to the MLB trade deadline, which would be tomorrow, the 30th. And on top of all of that, there was a ton of wrestling to get to, and this is, I won't call it a slow period, but it is an ongoing period for the world of wrestling, as we have a ton to talk about, including a pay-per-view, or a pay-per-view-like show from AEW, and SummerSlam is only three weeks away, three weeks from Sunday, actually, and um, there's still a lot that can happen before then, and I'm interested to see where these storylines are going to go. So, you can catch this show at wabamentertainment.com, W-O-B-A-M, entertainment.com. Search for The Double Turn. We are the only wrestling content on that platform still. Uh, you can also check us out at all the regular places, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and all the rest. Lost Ross once again flying solo. J-Man in absentia yet again. He, uh, he did pick up a point last week from Money in the Bank. Sure, he is still celebrating that comfortably in his humble abode. That being said, he is not here to talk wrestling with me, as I have said on several occasions before. We look forward to having him in the near future. I don't know when that's going to be because we've not had that discussion of when he's coming back. So when that happens, I'll let you know. He is still responsible for doing pay-per-view picks. So in a couple weeks' time, when we do the SummerSlam preview and prediction show, he will give me his analysis. And then after that, we still have a handful of pay-per-views left for the year. And then, well, either I'm doing a TikTok or he's watching WCW Nitro from the year 2000. Those are our punishments for the year that is of WWE pay-per-view predictions, preview and predictions, picking those correctly. Got some big ideas brewing for next year, as, of course, we did... The classic series for the better part of the last year, year and a half. Got some more interesting ideas that I want to do for this show. And I think there's a fun way to do it, but uh, we'll talk about that later. I just uh, have some ideas flowing in my head for this show. As once again, I am flying solo. I get to talk wrestling with all of you that hang out with me and Jorge every week, but it's just me again this week. So this week I wanted to focus on... Well, some of the good things that are happening in WWE leading up to one of their biggest shows of the year, SummerSlam, and how they're doing a lot of things right. There's still some things that they do wrong, but nobody's perfect. And then uh, just talk about uh, what's going on with SummerSlam here as we're three weeks out. Not much to report, but I do want to mention it before we close for tonight. But I do want to talk Fight for the Fall, an AEW show that took place from Charlotte, North Carolina at the Bojangles Coliseum. Yes, 
It holds uh, 8,600 people. It, uh, let's see here. Yeah, basically, it's it's in Charlotte. It's really what you need to know. So um, this was, for the most part, a fun show. Uh, there were only six matches on the show. There was a big tag team elimination match to start the show. And uh, the main event was Chris Jericho going through another uh, of his labors, the six labors of Jericho, to get to MJF. Good storytelling all the way through, and uh, we're going to get to see a little. We're going to get to see something a little bit different with each of these matches leading up to uh, Chris Jericho facing off against MJF, which is what we want to see. We want to see that match, and they're going to pay it off. And I have faith. So. Uh, So we started off with the 10-man tag team elimination match. It was the Elite, that being Kenny Omega, the Young Bucks, and the Good Brothers facing off against the Dark Order, headed up by Hangman Page, Evil Uno, Stu Grayson, John Silver, and Alex Reynolds. Why Brandon Cutler and Michael Nakazawa were there, I I have no idea. They they were just there. Um, The Elite came out to i believe it was well it's obviously 90s music but i i'm just going to assume that they were coming out uh as well i, I guess their shirt said elite squad so a uh takeoff from uh, space jam 2 i'm actually surprised lebron was not there at this event perhaps he perhaps they couldn't pay him his talent fee just saying that 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 sounds like a slam dunk to me but maybe they couldn't do it that being said, or, or, or perhaps they weren't allowed to. I don't know. So the stipulation in this match was that uh, if the Dark Order won, uh, Hangman Page would receive a future AEW World title match, and the Dark Order would have a shot at the Young Bucks World Tag Team title matches. Um, so there was something on the line for the Dark Order as uh, Hangman Page coming out in the purple. So he's got a purple bandana. So uh, he is with them. He, uh, I guess he's their leader. I guess. I've never really understood the pairing. Um, except that it gives Hangman Page something to do to fight the elite. And it gives them onus on the Dark Order because apparently that's a thing. This match went nearly 26 minutes. It was wacky, it was silly, but you know what? I had fun watching it, and that's what's important. Because at the end of the day, it's a 10-man tag team match. You know something's on the line, and you're rooting for the Dark Order. You're rooting for Hangman Page and the Dark Order to get title shots. And you're rooting against the stuffy, snarky, BS team of the elite to lose and get their asses kicked. So it was an elimination match, so we could have had nine eliminations up to in this match. Let's see. We had uh, Carl Anderson eliminate Alex Reynolds at the four-minute mark, and then Evil Uno immediately eliminate Carl Anderson about 30 seconds later. I hate when they do that, but it is what it is. It gets one person out at a time. Stu Grayson and Doc Gallows were counted out. Roughly six minutes later, another cliche finish in an elimination match, whatever. So that left um, that left Evil Uno, John Silver, 
and Hangman Page against Matt Jackson, Nick Jackson, and Kenny Omega. That's who was left. Uh, Eva Luna was then eliminated by Kenny Omega. Then we had John Silver eliminated by Matt Jackson. So it was Hangman against the Bucks and Kenny Omega. And uh, Hangman did his best. He eliminated Mac Jackson. And then Kenny Omega got the pinfall. So Nick Jackson and Kenny Omega survive. And we are thwarted from the Dark Order and Hangman Page getting title shots. Again, the match went 25 minutes and 35 seconds. Uh, Kenny Omega had two eliminations. Carl Anderson had one. Evil Uno had one. Matt Jackson had one. And strangely, Hangman Page only had one. I would have figured they would have given Hangman Page at least two, if not three, and made him look really strong if they were going to lose. That's probably the only part of the booking I didn't like is that you did not put over Hangman Page very strong in this match and at least have a couple of eliminations, high-profile eliminations. I probably would have had him eliminate both of the Bucks, and then if you want Kenny to beat him, fine. You know, Kenny thwarts him of giving him an automatic title shot, but then there's a title shot coming. I'm just saying. That's how I would have booked it. But overall, this was fun. It was silly. It was wacky. But when it needed to be serious, it was serious. So I can't really fault it for that. And it was a great way to start the show. FTR, that being Cash Wheeler and Dax Harwood, taking on Santana and Ortiz, Tully Blanchard and Conan in attendance for the event. It was an eight-minute match. I felt like this could have gone double the time. It didn't. I've had this complaint about WWE with tag team wrestling. It just, tag team wrestling, for whatever reason, most companies just do not know what to do with it. You can have all the talent in the world. If you don't put an onus on it and you don't take it seriously, I, I, I don't know what to tell you. I get that Young Bucks matches have been long, but a lot of those matches are long because they want them to be long, and it doesn't mean that they're all good. It just means they're Young Buck matches and they have to get all their stuff in. So I was disappointed. This match should have gone longer. Uh, FTR picks up the win. A little surprising. I thought they were going to book Santana and Ortiz to look a little bit stronger. But that being said, I can't complain. Both of these teams are great. I hope there's a rematch. I hope it's longer. And I hope maybe a title shot is on the line when these two face each other in the near future. Lance Archer, who recently won the IWGP United States Heavyweight Championship from John Moxley, for those of you that forgot that he was holding that belt, Lance Archer's now holding it. He faced Hikuleo with King Halu. If I totally butchered that name, I apologize. Hikuleo. Again, another match where maybe it needed to be a little bit longer. Look, I get that we want Lance Archer to be an absolute killer. We want him to beat people. And most people don't know who Hikuleo is, including myself. So maybe this needed to be a glorified squash match. So if I'm taking that into context... For what this was, it was fine. not going to say it was great. I'm not going to say it was bad. It puts Lance Archer over. You're building him towards better, bigger and better things. This I'm fine with. Then there was the six-man tag team match, which I'm still confused over, actually. 
Christian Cage and the Jurassic Express, represented by Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus. Marco Stunt, of course, was still there. They took on the Hardy family office, that being Angelico and Private Party, Isaiah Cassidy and Mark Quinn, Matt Hardy, of course, in attendance. This match went four and a half minutes. Four and a half. And the baby faces won. I, I really don't know. I really don't know what's going on. Um, it just, it was filler. This could have been on Dynamite. But it was on the show. I, I, I just, why? Why even have this match? Why? I don't get it. I don't get it. Thunder Rosa had a match as she recently signed to AEW. It was a glorified squash match beating Julia Hart. This was fine. This was totally fine. You have her on this show in a squash match. You just signed her. Fantastic. She wrestled for Impact Wrestling. She lost to Deanna Perrazzo. She's wrestled for NWA. Uh, she's, she's, she's done it all, uh, despite some of the, uh, issues that has gone on involving her with some other talents, she's really good and it's a really good signing for them. And I hope it's just one of many to come for the division. I keep hearing rumors about Ruby riot or whatever her name is going to be. Of course, the big rumor is Tessa Blanchard. I don't know if either of those are true. If they add both of those, that women's division looks a lot better. A lot better. So we'll see. So Thunder Rosa picks up the win. Main event time was Chris Jericho reliving his Painmaker gimmick from New Japan, taking on Nick Gage in a no-rules match. The highlight spot of the night was uh, Chris Jericho during doing a uh, Huracan Rana, Frankensteiner, whatever you want to call it, even though they are two different moves. He put Nick Gage through a glass table or a glass or a sheet of glass. It looked impressive. I'm I'm hoping it didn't hurt. It looked impressive. And Jericho gets the win in 13 minutes. This did not need to be anything spectacular. This is supposed to be a one of the six labors of Jericho to where he basically probably breaks out a lot of his old gimmicks puts himself in very difficult positions to prove that he gets a shot at MJF, which, by the way, is a very babyface thing to do. Babyface Jericho is going to be awesome. He kind of already is, but he's kind of been a heel most of this time. But MJF is the super heel. So this, this means Jericho's turning face. I am all for it. So... That ended the show. I will say the opening contest was very good. It was very fun. Um, We had two squash matches. We had a tag team match that should have gone longer. A six-man tag that probably should have just been on Dynamite and not on this show. And a main event that, for what it was, delivered. So, for a show, it was all right. It could have happened on Dynamite and you could have fooled me. So if that's what they were going for, just a hyped-up Dynamite show via, you know, Impact has hyped up 
episodes of Impact, which is weird that it's Impact Wrestling and their television show is Impact. Uh, it, whatever. The point is that uh, it was fine. It was fine. Watch the opener and watch the main event, which is what everybody was talking about anyway. So that's what I have to say about Fight for the Fallen. Um, I believe their next show is Homecoming. Homecoming is actually coming up here. It's um, so they're going back to. Yes, they're going back to Daly's place. There you go. So far on that show is uh, Cody Rhodes versus Malachi Black, a.k.a. Alistair Black. Miro facing off against Lee Johnson for the TNT Championship. The Bunny versus Layla Hirsch. The winner gets a number one or becomes the number one contender for the NWA World Women's Championship, which I believe is held by... Uh, what's her face? Um, Camille Brickhouse. That is who holds it right now. Christian Cage and The Blade. And uh, Chris Jericho versus Juventud Guerrera. And uh, the stipulation of that match is that Jericho must hit a top rope maneuver in order to win the match. I can only imagine what that's going to be. A top rope maneuver. Is that a flying elbow? Is that a hurricane rana? Is that a lion salt off the top rope? That would be interesting. But he's facing Hoovy, the juice, at that show. That is coming up on August the 4th. So that, uh, is that another, um, is that just a dynamite show? I think it is. And then after homecoming, I believe is Grand Slam. That's in September. So, and nothing is announced yet, but that is going to be in Queens. That's going to be at Arthur Ashe Stadium. That is going to be an interesting show. So, that is really all I have to say about Fight for the Fallen. Like I said, watch the opener, watch the main event, which shouldn't surprise you given the talent involved in both of those matches. I do want to talk about what has happened the last uh, little bit here on television. It's kind of weird doing these shows on Thursday because impact happens on this this time of the week. And then we have SmackDown, which is almost a week old that we haven't even talked about. And then Raw, which is three days old. And then, of course, there's NXT and all that stuff. So I'll start with the oldest and move backwards. So SmackDown last week, of course, if you missed it, there were two things that I highly recommend that you check out. The confrontation between Seth Rollins and Edge, I've said this before, upper mid-card tiers or lower main event tiers that have nothing to do with the belt, these need to come back with monthly frequency. I'm not kidding. You must build a roster full of people you want to be main eventers. Not saying all of them are going to be main eventers, but you have to fill your cupboard full of people that you think are capable of being at that level. And if not, you need to put people in positions to make people make them to be in in that position, if that makes sense. Seth Rollins and Edge is going to be awesome, and there's nothing on the line but pride, ego, and two people wanting to kick the hell out of each other. Perfect! I love this. 
Watch that confrontation. It's very well done. And, of course, on a lighter note, John Cena's back. Paul Heyman comes out, starts singing John Cena's theme with the roll. Yes, it's it. I know he's not supposed to be talked about a lot, but uh, I remember Adam Blompier from uh, those shows way back when used to do the whole John Cena thing. It was hilarious every time he did it. Um, it just reminds me of that. But Paul Heyman is gold. Of course, all the Twitter feed was, can we get the album of Paul Heyman humming and or singing WWE themes? Lots of people would buy it. You should definitely do it. Although it might lose its novelty, uh, I'm, I'm sure you'd get enough people to buy it and it would get a pop for about a month. I'm just saying it would be hilarious. Um, they are, of course, building up the fact that we are going to have Roman Reigns and John Cena. They're just not announcing it. Roman Reigns is going to face Finn Balor for his uh, for his title. But I have to believe John Cena is going to get a match at SummerSlam because why would you not do it? Seriously, why would you not do it? Like, let Balor have a title match. Maybe not tomorrow, maybe next week. Then you have two weeks to build it. Unless your plan is to not do it, which I don't know why you would not do Cena versus Roman. I don't know why you wouldn't do that. But that's awesome. Okay, I, I there's there's really no other way I could say it except if what they're doing is what they're doing, it's going to be tremendous. So, needless to say, needless to say, SmackDown, still the best show of the week, almost every week. Go check it out. Uh, let's see. We have Raw. So let's see here. Um, Nikki Ash, I believe. Oh, right. So that is the one thing that is set up for the pay-per-view is we're going to have a triple threat for the Raw Women's Championship. Nikki Ash, Rhea Ripley, and Charlotte Flair, which I don't know how I feel about that match right now. Because technically, Rhea's getting a rematch, but Charlotte's getting a rematch, and Nikki's the champion. So I guess, just based on that surface level alone, this makes sense. So I guess just from a booking standpoint, both challengers never got their rematch, because Rhea never got a rematch, because she lost, and then Charlotte was immediately cashed in on, so technically she would get a rematch too. Even though I remember Shane McMahon, there's no automatic rematches. Well, he's not here. So, like, I guess we're just back to that crutch. But in this case, it makes sense because you had a briefcase that was immediately used. So, for the moment, I am okay with this. Uh, let's see here. We had the tag team title rematch. We had the Drew and Gender feud continuing, which, again, another upper mid-card feud. This I'm okay with. Gender Taker is incredible. All right, I will address the Karrion Cross thing right now. So Karrion Cross lost to Jeff Hardy in about two minutes, and the internet completely lost their minds. Rightfully so, by the way. But I said from the beginning, I said, okay, if this is the stupid, hey, we're going to have a guy lose and see how he reacts, that's dumb. If you have him lose to Jeff Hardy and there's a purpose, that makes sense. I still wouldn't have done it, but at least it would have made sense. Uh, 
apparently the plan was he was supposed to lose to Jeff Hardy again and then kill him after the match. And that's when you bring out Scarlet and everything's right in the world because, of course, he is much better with Scarlet by his side. This makes sense, right? Well, apparently there was so much backlash from the internet that they changed their mind and Karrion Cross instead wrestled Keith Lee and beat him because that's a guy people want to see lose. You literally could have put any person in that match. Anybody. But I don't know what to say. The whole Keith Lee thing, I don't know if Vince just gave up on him. Likely. Something happened and Vince just gave up on Keith Lee. They're already sending people back down to NXT. Hell, they sent Mandy Rose down to NXT. Just just move Keith Lee back if you're not going to use him. Look, I've said before, guys complaining, I don't want to go to NXT. I don't want to leave NXT because Raw's not going to treat me well. Okay. Like, that's your ceiling. But for people that are literally not being used on television, just put them in NXT. They'll have good matches. That's the wrestling show. Great. Go do that. Then if you have a plan later, you'll have time because at least he's getting television time and ring time. But at least carrying across one. If you're going to put him on the main roster, don't have him lose in his first match. That's all. So, um, yeah. Scarlet is, uh, Scarlet's kind of important to this angle, and, and I really don't know what they're doing. And I guess that's what I have to say about that. It's it just, Karen Cross is really good. And I feel like they just don't know how to book him, which is strange because, like, it books itself. You have Scarlet, you have a guy that's the NXT champion, and you have him run roughshod on television. I don't know why this is hard. I don't know. But apparently it is. I don't know. NXT, the angle we finally wanted a payoff for, we got a payoff for, which is Samoa Joe. Finally got up to William Regal after Regal was attacked by Karrion Cross, And um, Regal was going to fire him, Karrion Cross, Probably strip him of the title. And Joe, being the valiant babyface, said, no, no, I have a better idea. I'm going ha- to do this in three parts. I'm going to resign from NXT management. Regal's like, okay. Then you're going to reinstate me. Okay. Then you're going to give me a title match against Karrion Cross. Regal's like, oh, I like this idea. Now you don't have to be provoked. Now you can hurt this guy. Let's do it. So, Samoa Joe and Karrion Cross are going to wrestle for the NXT Championship. At NXT TakeOver 36, which takes place on August the 22nd, 
There are no stipulations other than it's a title match. Walter and Dragunov are also wrestling for the NXT UK Championship on that show. That looks like it's going to be a wonderful show. Wonderful. Uh, so, yes. I- I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to how the storyline is going to pay off because it could mean Joe wins the title. And Cross just goes to Raw and, like, just detonates all over the roster and just dominates. That would be interesting. That would be very interesting. Um, If Samoa Joe wins, I believe he would be the first three-time NXT champion. That would be interesting because Karrion Cross has been a two-time champion. Finn Balor's been a two-time champion. Nakamura's been a two-time champion, and Joe. Those are the guys. Joe, Nakamura, Balor, Cross. So, yeah. I think they may do it. Or they may just have Karrion Cross roll up on Raw as the NXT champion and, you know, have his hot girlfriend, wife, whatever it is, you know, hey, like, I'm a champion. Who are you? And then you can have him lose it later. That would be intriguing, too. Whatever they're doing, I like it. Okay? TakeOver looks good. SummerSlam looks good. Things are trending in the right direction for WWE. They have plenty of time to screw it up. But in the meantime, that's what we got. As I said, SummerSlam taking place on Saturday, August the 21st. So, yes, in a rare occasion... SummerSlam and WWE are doing a pay-per-view before NXT, as NXT is doing it on Sunday. It is taking place at Allegiant Stadium in Paradise, Nevada, also known as Las Vegas. So that is where the Las Vegas Raiders play. That will be a show, and there's going to be a ton of people there. So, like I said, there's only one match that is determined. Nikki Ash, Rhea Ripley, and Charlotte Flair in a triple threat for the Raw Women's Championship. Looks like we're going to get Lashley versus Goldberg. It's Goldberg's second contractually obligated match for the year. Lashley should just beat him and move on. This I'd be fine with. I presume we're going to get Roman versus John Cena. If we somehow don't get that, I don't really know. Uh, I also presume we're going to get Edge versus Seth Rollins. That is also very exciting. Um, Don't really know what they're doing with the SmackDown Women's title yet. Don't know what they're doing with either of the tag titles yet. Don't know what they're doing with the U.S. title or the Intercontinental title since, you know, both of those have been mostly forgettable for large portions. But as soon as we get the news, we will tell you. The last thing I want to touch on before we close out tonight's show is the fact that the rumors keep flying that Daniel Bryan and CM Punk are both going to sign with AEW. Nothing is confirmed yet. We don't know if they're showing up, when they're showing up, but I will tell you this. They need to give both of these guys appropriate space. So what I don't want to see is Daniel Bryan show up one week and three weeks later, CM Punk shows up. That would be a 
bad idea. So if the plan is that maybe one of them's more ready than the other one to come in, bring that person in first. Or if they're both ready to come in, maybe make sure that you have a plan as to what you're going to do with both of them so they both feel like a big deal. They don't feel rushed. They feel like they're very special entities and there's a direct plan for them. If none of those go the way they that you want them to go, it's going to be a botched disaster. It's really all I'm going to say because it could be a botched disaster. I I I I just I just don't know. I just I just don't know. But is it exciting? Of course it is. Of course it is. But like with anything else, planning, preparation, and execution. That's all I ask. That's all I ask. So a short and sweet episode this week, as uh, I just wanted to cover the basics and cover what was coming up. Next week's show, hopefully we'll have more updates on what is going on with Punk and Brian. That should be exciting. More updates, of course, from SummerSlam. The week that is, the week that was. And hopefully we'll have some more updates on some other things going on. Hopefully I'll be able to touch on uh, Impact for you. Some things going on with that show as well. As um, I don't know what they're doing. Because Kenny Omega is still walking around with their belt. And AEW is going back on tour again. So I don't really know what they're doing. So hopefully they have a plan. I think they have a plan. But again, Josh Alexander as the X Division champion looks really good. Deanna Perrazzo as the women's champion or knockouts champion. Cool. The Good Brothers, I believe, are the Impact Tag Team champions right now. So maybe there's a plan for all three of them to lose the belts on the same night. That would be cool. I'd be down for that. Just make there be a plan. That's all. So with that, that's going to do it this week here for the double turn wrestling podcast. Again, wabamentertainment.com. That's wabam W O B A M entertainment.com. You can also find us on Spotify, Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, and all the rest. Again, This has been the Double Turn Wrestling Podcast for the J-Man. I'm Boss Ross, and we will catch you, or I will catch you, on the flip side. 